night. Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we preview the final preseason game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The voice of the Bombers, Derek Taylor and Rob Vanstone of the Regina Leader Post will help break it all down on the podcast. Welcome in Derek Taylor for our nightly training camp chat for Stars Air Ambulance, caring for Manitobans when and where you need us most. Derek, how are preparations going for your return trip to Regina? I'm, I'm trying to find the most backdooringest way into Mosaic Stadium for tomorrow so no one sees me. It'll be it'll be nice. I just want to sneak in, sneak out, and let the big thing be Labor Day because this is, uh, man, this is two backup squads going at it tomorrow. Woo! Yes. So uh, I went through uh, some of the roster notes <laughs> to start the show for the Blue Bombers and not a lot of players that you're going to see tomorrow night uh, on the starting lineup for the Bombers, but we're talking about backup spots, practice roster spots. What are we looking for here tomorrow? Well, we, we get we get at least a few of the starters, right? Uh, gosh, Rashid Bailey and Janarian Grant from the offense with Dalton Schoen. If we don't know Greg Ellingson's condition, but he's missed practice for a few days. Uh, if he's not good to go, could Dalton Schoen slide in for week number one against Ottawa? Taekwon Glass is in there as well, uh, defensive defensive back. I don't know that he's particularly competing for a spot. I feel like he has it. Maybe this is just more time to get him used to the system after coming over from Montreal. So there's a handful of starters in there. Plus, uh, we, we need to see, I mean, I, I think you're with me. We need to see the Drew Brown experience in game number two to see if 10 of 13 for 109 and a touchdown, if if he can follow that up and really give us some some warm feelings about backup quarterbacks. Right. I thought he looked pretty solid in Friday's game against Edmonton. And, and of course, there is the grain of salt, and it's a pretty big grain when you're talking about a preseason game and how much you want to read into a player's performance. But he was playing with pretty much the entirety of the first-team offense on Friday. Yeah, and there was a fair, there was a little bit of the Edmonton first-team defense out there as well. So, yeah, it was good. Can he follow it up? I mean, this is the, the roster the Riders have put together. They're not playing, say, A.C. Leonard and Charleston Hughes, but you know, starting defensive tackles, not their starting linebackers, a couple of starting defensive backs. There's some spots in the Saskatchewan defense, which would be what they're going to roll out in week number one. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think we just want I think we just want the hope, right, regardless of it. You know what? If if something happens to Zach and he needs two weeks off, can can quarterback insert here uh, get get the bombers through those two weeks? And you know, if if Drew comes out and, you know, in, in half the game, because there are only two quarterbacks on the roster in half the game is, you know, 10 for 15. And, and as he said to us a couple of times this week, just lets it rip in some spots. I Nobody's displacing Zach. Nobody's doing that for quite some time. Some it would have to go horribly wrong for that to happen. But you just you just like to know there are a couple spots where we would like to know we'd like to know. Back of quarterback, we'd like to know kicker, punter, that whole that whole combination as well. So let's talk about the special teams. It was split uh, duty in Friday's game. Mortada did some kicking uh, of punts and place kicking. Legio did both as well. Uh, we know Mortada doinked a, a convert, which is something that needs to be cleaned up. But any first game takeaways in the battle for the kicking spot? Not really, other than you always would have to give the advantage to the Canadian. That way you could use an American roster spot somewhere else. Um, I'd be really, I'd honestly, I'd be really surprised 
well, I'd be sort of surprised if they brought if they rostered both guys next week against Ottawa, just because that's a roster spot you could use somewhere else, especially if it's Legio is going to do it, but we'll bring Mortada along. Legio last season was was an above average punter, depending on which metric you want to use. He was the third and fourth best punter in the CFL. Now one and two were miles ahead of everybody else, but he was for a rookie to be above average in the CFL. That's that's not bad at all. So you get that, and then have we had the conversation about what what they put Legio through with his field goal kicks last year? I don't believe so, Derek. Uh, tri- this is where trivia time comes in. Rene Paredes, the the All Star kicker in Calgary, his average field goal attempt last year was thirty five yards. That's that's pretty much average. It's been creeping up as we go along because kickers get better and better. His average field goal attempt was thirty five yards. Mark Leggio's average field goal attempt last year was almost forty five yards. Oh. They had him kicking bombs. So when when he goes five of eight, you go, okay, I need to take that with a grain of salt because if you're missing from fifty two and stuff like that, I. I, I can excuse that a little bit as a fan. Uh, if you're missing from 22, we're, we're going to have problems. Well, and he hit the bomb to win a game. I believe it was from 50 uh, when he came in for the first time. And it, was, it and, and in this market, it was, oh, we got a kicker, we got a kicker. And then it, it kind of faded a little bit because he missed a couple. But again, the caveat is those were pretty big asks for a lot of those kicks. And if, if yeah. you know, he can straighten that out a bit. I, I feel like it's his to lose as the Canadian and as the draft pick. Well, and his numbers from from Western, like from college, were really good. I remember just running some numbers on on college kickers to see who would translate because uh, there was a kid from University of Calgary who hit some 57-yard monster. And he he was, you know, if he converted his numbers to the CFL, he was far below average. But uh, Leggio came out as the one kicker in college that year that would have been above average and, and nicely above average. And you go, oh, okay, well, let's see it. And honestly, like the conversation I had with Drew Brown this week of, you had a game at the end of last season, and you got the whole season to think about it. That's what Mark Leggio has had, right? He had last season five for eight on field goals, five for eight on converts. He had the whole offseason to think about that. And being a pro athlete, you go, well, I'm getting to work now. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that he's he should be the guy to take the job. But, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. At what point are we going to be comfortable as Bomber fans with the kicking game? Well, when you had Justin Medlock for so long, you get spoiled yes. for sure. It was such a nice thing yeah. to have, knowing that if you got, you know, almost inside the opponent's territory, you were going to get points. And that wasn't necessarily the case last year, though they ended up winning the Grey Cup anyway because Sergio Castillo came in and helped write that ship. All right, let's talk about the defensive side of things here, Derek, because uh, Winston Rose uh, was spotted in a mm. walking boot at uh, yesterday's practice we called a practice yesterday and so what yeah what are we looking at uh, for the health of the back end here on the secondary well this is this is where the breath holding starts because we don't know anything about rose's condition apart from that he was in a walking boot and not at practice and that's your that's your boundary corner right that's your star defensive back and when you see that uh he's in a walking boot and then the next day, so this morning, the Bombers uh, re-signed Evan Holm, uh, the defensive back who they had uh, released yesterday. You go, oh, okay, well, I, th- I think they knew that Winston was – I think there's gonna, there's going to be some correlating move, right, where somebody goes on to injure, the injured list to get them off the roster because uh, why you would cut a guy one day and then bring him back the next day, I don't necessarily understand. 
Uh, if Rose is out for a while, it I mean, we'll see tomorrow the guys that will be bidding to replace him, right? Jermaine Ponder. I presume you wouldn't move Taekwon Glass across to that side. You'd want him to keep his spot and use somebody to hold it down for Winston Rose. But uh, what what has Ponder got? What what is uh, Zach Hannibal's probably, I mean, I think it has been more at half as we go through practice. But what do, what do guys have to hold the fort down for Winston Rose? We'll, we'll see that some of that tomorrow. And were there any standouts from game number one in terms of uh, these, the likes of forward or glass or any of these guys that uh, got some kind of playing time? Oh, that's a good question. I don't, no one jumps to mind. There's, you, I mean, you know, well, right. You were, you were counting 80 guys going on and off the field. 73 so of 76 got I, in of game number one there. Golly. Uh, uh, the big touchdown to Caleb Hawley. I think that was the seam route down the short side against the first teamers. Uh, I don't remember a ton of the second team. Uh, Josh Johnson was in coverage on that toe down touchdown that was off to our right. Uh, that one of the, one of the Elks scored. So, uh, nothing for me kind of sticks out, but then there's so much information to take in at that game that I, I'm curious to get a look with a smaller roster tomorrow and, uh, you know, they'll be going up against Saskatchewan's kind of second-team offense, except for their Canadians that they'll be using. Uh, but, yeah, it's if if Rose is going to miss any time, they're going to need somebody to, to hold things down because Winston Rose is so good. And not only because Rose is out, but Brandon Alexander is out for a number of weeks, more than likely, with surgery from uh, after the Great Cup. We knew that going into the season. And then Mercy Maston's condition as well. And these are three big names that perhaps won't be available for the Bombers for who knows how long. Yeah, and for, for Mercy Masson, uh, well, for Brandon Alexander, it's been Nick Hallett since the beginning of training camp, right? He's a guy the Bombers are, are familiar with, so they're, they, they know where they're going to go in, in that spot. Malcolm Thompson, who was backing up Hallett, made a real nice couple of plays in that game against Edmonton. Uh, Mercy Masson, they immediately go to Donald Rutledge and Rutt, as he says, call me Rutt. I'm like, all right, I can do that. Uh, I mean, he was he was good. Everything looked okay in that game. Uh, this will be they they brought him to this game as well to give him some more time and take a look at things. So yeah, if again that one's more that one's more than hold it down. It feels like right. We haven't heard the full story of Mercy Masson's injury, but that one feels like someone's bidding to have a starting spot all the way through this season. All right. So logistically, Derek, before we let you go, what uh, after tomorrow's uh, game, what does the rest of training camp look like heading into the season opener coming up, not this Friday, but the following Friday? So tomorrow is Tuesday. Wednesday, they'll travel. We'll have the coaches show. That'll be a good time. Uh, Thursday, Friday, gosh, when uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is, is the final days of training camp. And then, we, then they, uh, or Thursday, Friday, the final days of training camp, final cuts. And then the week begins for the Friday game. They start practice on Monday. It'll be, you know, we'll get some Zach Caleros in full effect. We'll see where Greg Ellingson's at, things like that. Uh, yeah, a few more days of training camp to give guys, uh, you know, a final audition and coaches some extra time to review and check things out, anything they might want to change before, you know, officially get to practice for week number one. In Regina, we find Rob Vanstone of the Regina Leader Post. Rob, how excited are you for tomorrow's second preseason tilt? Oh, normally I'm not that excited about preseason 
well, anything for that matter. But uh, um, this this one has a special significance because, I mean, it's the first first preseason game we've seen around here since 2019. It's just, I mean, even last year when there was a season, nothing really got going in terms of actual competition until August. So this, I mean, I know the word normalcy is overused. I can't really say post-COVID because it's still out there, but um, it's it's nice to have things that just radiate here's how it used to be and I think this preseason game is is an example of that so who's going to play for the Riders tomorrow out of players that would probably be on their opening night lineup Uh, anybody Hmm, that's a really good question there's very few Um, the Riders don't have uh, they're sitting everybody whose number is under eight so that includes Cody Fajardo number seven AC Leonard number six Duke Williams, number five. <laughs> Nick Marshall, number three. Uh, Shaq Evans, number one. So there's uh, there's five notables right there. It really, I mean, for in terms of marquee value, the Rough Riders scrimmage or intra-squad game on Saturday, I think had far more headline uh, headline caliber players to it than the preseason game was. It's an audition for uh, the quarterbacks and the running backs, I think, in particular. So, but they're going to be playing behind a makeshift offensive line and it'll be makeshift everything. But I don't know what to make of this one. Bombers not sending a lot of starters either as they put out their roster for the game. Just a few players that are projected to be starters on opening night are going to be on the trip. So, I mean, what do we, if as a football fan, I don't know what you look for. I guess it's more from a coaching staff point of view. What are you hoping to, to glean from this if you're Craig Dickinson and company? Yeah, I, I look for supper at halftime. I'm going to <laughs> see what I can find with the concessions. That's that's what got me most uh, curious. Uh, the 6:30 start time in Regina kind of makes uh, eating at the at the stadium uh, some comes rather imperative. I mean, I think the Bombers are in the same situation as the Rough Riders in that if their starting quarterback goes down this season, there's trouble. Beneath Zach Kalaros, there isn't much in Winnipeg. Beneath at least not much that is proven. Beneath Cody Fajardo in Saskatchewan, there's not much that is proven. So. I think we're going to see see those kind of questions answered. The number two quarterbacking job in Saskatchewan is pretty much up for grabs between Mason Fine and Jake Dolagala. Fine was here last year. Dolagala is six foot seven and played had stints with four NFL teams. So and there's Troy Williams who used to play for Edmonton. So the quarterbacking is always a big deal, and, and I'm sure that'll be a uh, under the microscope. The Rough Riders need a starting tailback with William Powell gone to Ottawa. Not, not necessarily that much different than the Bombers with Andrew Harris now in Toronto. So they're going to be auditioning some some uh, tailbacks and quarterbacks. And I think that's where both both teams are going to look. Although I think the Bombers have more established uh, replacements, or potential replacements in their offensive backfield, at least as far as tailbacks go than the Rough Riders do. It's totally wide open here. Now the difference between the Bombers and the Riders tomorrow night is that Bombers have already had a preseason game. The Riders have not, as they'll also play on Friday in BC. So you got teams that are, are kind of looking at things a little bit differently here. But the thing about preseason, Rob, is that the wins and losses don't really matter much. And, you know, once week one starts, you almost forget what happened to the most part. Well, it's funny. I mean, the last time the Rough Riders had a preseason opener was 2019. And they lost 37-1 to in Calgary. And that loss in Calgary was so devastating that they went on to finish first place in the West for only the second time in the span of 43 seasons. 
So uh, clearly the first preseason game isn't necessarily a barometer of, of, of what to expect. So uh, I just think they want to, they're going to divide the four quarters as evenly as they can between three quarterbacks and, and just see where it goes. I think I'm not really thinking there's going to be a huge crowd tomorrow. Uh, I think the number one sporting event tomorrow night is probably the Oilers game. So Oilers in Colorado. So take me through what we've learned from training camp so far for the Riders. Any big standouts, any impressions, people disappointing? What's the big take in Regina so far? Um, a lot of the questions that carried into training camp, I think, are carrying into the preseason game, Christian. Uh, and they're, again, I hate to keep reiterating that it's quarterbacking and it's running back. And, and maybe a few questions about the defensive backfield with uh, Lucia Purifoy gone to BC and Ed Gainey gone to Edmonton. There's there's some big holes in the Rough Riders secondary. And they've got to ultimately measure themselves against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And it'll be interesting come opening day to look at the Rough Riders roster compared to Winnipeg's roster and see, okay, do they stack up? Because Winnipeg has set the bar not only for the West Division, for the, but for the entire league. And I still look at them position by position. I think uh, by and large, the Bombers have the edge. I look at that offensive line that there is in Winnipeg, and that's the key question in Saskatchewan. They couldn't really protect Cody Pajardo that well last season, nor could they establish much of a running game. And you look at the fortress behind which Zach Kalaros was able to play and behind which Andrew Harris and friends were able to run. And so can the, can the Rough Riders establish some sort of consistency and a level of excellence along the offensive line. If so, they can challenge Winnipeg. If not, I'm not sure there's many, many teams that can challenge Winnipeg anyway, but I think that's, uh, that's a key thing to watch, not only uh, on Tuesday night, but early into the season. How big is the return of Charleston Hughes? I'm not sure yet. Um, how's that for an equivocal answer or an unequivocal answer? He's uh, 38 years old. Didn't do much in Toronto last year. He had, two sacks in nine games, and one of them was a just a charity sack. So um, I would tend to think he'd, he could have a little bit left in the tank if they use him situationally. If they try to use him as an every-down player, he could be he could be pretty much spent by midseason. I, I think that my read on that is, hey, if he comes in and surprises people and suddenly plays like he's much younger, they've got a lottery win, and if he doesn't, they've still got some decent personnel. So I'm not expecting a ton because he's a, he's a 38 year old defensive uh, defensive end, and that's I think time is ultimately working against him. So looking at uh, where you, you mentioned that the ifs for the Riders this season, put on your prognosticator's cap right now. Where do you think they sit if you want the the two early power rankings for the West Division? I think there's two tiers in the West Division, and they're largely based on quarterbacking and maybe on tradition as well. There's the, the, the three teams, Winnipeg, Calgary, Saskatchewan, and they have proven quarterbacks and just a tendency towards success in recent years. Then you look at Edmonton, where the quarterback situation is unsettled, and the same with BC. So I think there's three teams, and then there's two teams. Um, I, I think Winnipeg has to be considered the favorite for first, and then it's uh, – it's the it's Saskatchewan and Calgary fighting out for the home home host hosting privileges in the West semifinal. That's how I, I see it going. Uh, you know, Calgary's had some questions. It all it all depends on Bo Levi Mitchell, or largely depends on Bo Levi Mitchell. He coming 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 off a rough year in which he was intercepted more often than he threw a touch through touchdown passes, and he threw two picks in their first preseason game. So 
that's not necessarily a, a good sign. But I spoke earlier about the degree to which preseason uh, results can be disregarded. So maybe that maybe that can be disregarded as well. But I think it's Winnipeg, and then the the show and play forces have uh, will be Saskatchewan or Calgary in in one order or the other. All right, before I let you go, Rob, we know you're a big Winnipeg Jets fan. Who should coach this team next year? Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz. Um, I just mentioned horses, and now I'm talking about trots. But, <laughs> you know, it's, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit torn on it, though, because I think it might be really boring hockey to watch. And, uh, I mean, the only way to prevent Kyle Connor from scoring 50 goals next year might be to have him coached by Barry Trotz. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I think for the overall good of the team, uh, a lot of the – Things that ail the Winnipeg Jets could be could be uh, resolved by bringing him in, and of course, there's his family connection to Manitoba and to Dauphin. So I just think it makes a ton of sense, and then hopefully he'll put Nick Ehlers where he should be in getting get, getting him more ice time. So I, I'd love to see Barry Trotz as, as the head coach. After that, maybe you know Claude Julien. Maybe uh, I'm not sure. There's, the Plan B sure isn't that. It nearly as enticing as Plan A, but uh, I hope they can lock up uh, Barry, Trot, Barry Trotz pretty quickly. And as a fan, what percentage of would you put on on the hope of that actually happening? I'd say sixty. Uh, oh. I mean, there's certainly the the resources there. I mean, just traditionally haven't spent top dollar on a head coach, but when you look at the resources that the, the Jets organization has, uh, the, the, uh, there's a very rich man part of the ownership group. And when you look at the need to reconnect with the audience and the fact that there have been so many empty seats, something that was unfathomable two or three years ago, I think they really need to do something that's a loud boom to signal to the fans and to the league that they mean business. They should have had a much better team last year when, based upon the personnel they had. They underachieved. They're not a rebuilding-type team. They're, they're going to take a run, at, run. They want to take a run at it every year. And if you're going to do that, I think you need to have a coach whose caliber is commensurate with that of your roster. So to me, it, it just adds up. They should just do whatever they have to do to get uh, Barry Trotz in Winnipeg because otherwise, I think there's going to be some disgruntlement even heading into the season. And who knows where it might unfold after that. I also want to see the Rangers win tonight so the Jets get a first-round draft out of, a, out of the Andrew Kopp deal. Well, it's looking like it's probably going to happen. 3 nothing now, New York, in the uh, late parts of the second period. Carolina's backup goalie now in because Antti Ranta got hurt, but uh, it doesn't look good for the Carolina Hurricanes here. So that looks like the Jets might get a pick there. Rob, appreciate your time tonight. We'll uh, check in as the season goes along here. Oh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Christian. And uh, go Rangers, go Jets. (laughs) (laughs) Rob Vanstone of the Regina Leader Post joining us here tonight. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all.